Welcome to the Eagle Naz Church Podcast. My name is Bree, and thanks for joining us. We hope that the next 30 minutes helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus, and that you will see how God wants to move in your life. Thanks for listening. In relationships, we can tend to see from our perspective alone, and we can look at other people and say, because I see gold and you see blue, you're completely wrong. But what if your perspective was legitimate? What if the dress really is blue to you? Uh, We could get in this uh, blame game in relationships. We could get in this perspective that says, my way is the only way. In in fact, I think we do that. I I think that's the problem in the world, that we tend to to look at other people and we say, um, you know, if if you're, with our sibling relationships, uh, brother, if you would just uh, play fair, it'd be all right. If if, uh, to our our marriage spouse, we tend to say, uh, look, if you would just, become less selfish. Uh, We would be so much happier. In our boss relationships and employee relationships, we can get in the habit of of saying, uh, you know what, if if you just weren't so controlling, my world would be so much better. And in every relationship, we could get into the blame game. Isn't that true? Uh, This happened to me. we were getting ready to move and downsize our house, and Melody had the audacity. So I, I just said, no, I just save things that have meaning, and after all, you might use them someday, and we began cleaning out the house and downsizing to a smaller property. 24 pickups loads later to Youth Ranch of my stuff, because in two acres and 3,700 square feet, uh, you can just pack in a lot of farm boy. And so I did that, and shirts that I'd had for 20 years that still didn't fit, and, but I was going to use them someday and fit into them tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? It was like that. And, and not only that, uh, 24 trips to the youth ranch, but a U-Haul of furniture to Jeb and Caitlin. And a friend of mine out on the farm that needed some of that stuff, I gave him a pickup load and a trailer full of stuff that was just treasure trove kind of stuff. And I called my brother and said that uh, electronic wheelbarrow that will hold uh, 2,000 pounds that I just had to have for my property, maybe you could use it on your farm. And we were uh, going through our house stuff and and I've got to admit, I still have about 10 boxes of stuff to go through a year later. And I've, uh, I've, I realized when I said to Melody, I've got about 10 boxes to go through, and uh, when I do that, I want to go through all the rest and clean out more. There was this aha moment when I said to myself, she may have been right. (laughs) The dress may have been blue. And uh, I, I realized that that's not just the one occurrence where that happens in my life, but 
I've noticed an awful lot of places in my life where blue is gold and gold is blue. And the, the problem is, I think that the, I'm waiting for the other person to change, but the person who needs to change is me. Harvard did a, a little bit of research, and, and I've read about some other studies that talk about the, the blame game in relationships. And, and what the research shows, they, they actually introduced uh, blame into organizations and situations, uh, false or true. And when they introduce the, the blame into the situation, what they find out is that it might be somebody left the copier on last night. And all of a sudden, what they found is, even if it wasn't a true blame, the blame went throughout the organization. The people started saying, no, he did that, and they did that, and well, this happened over here, and that the blame spread because it's contagious like wildfire. The, waiting for the other person to change in a relationship, the only problem is we can't do anything about their change. I'm not saying that there aren't times when Others need to change, or others have done wrongly, or maybe they've hurt us, but the fact is, we're the only ones that can change us, and we can't change anybody else. And so Paul calls us to a personal checklist. Paul the Apostle lived 2,000 years ago. He was an example of God's transforming power in his life. It's what Carly said in the first message about our availability and God's grace in our life lead to powerful transformation. Isn't that true? And so today we get to look at uh, how God speaks to us about what we could do as a personal checklist to stop the blame game and move forward. Here, let's uh, see. Uh, let your love be counterfeit and untrustworthy. Become so consumed, consumed with evil that you forget the good altogether. Puff yourself up, putting your needs above your friends and families. Do all you can to tear down those around you. Uh, cave into apathy, neglect your God, give given passions, and serve yourself above everybody else, including God. Become overcome with negativity and cynicism. Does that sound right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be a disaster if we decided that uh, we would take on those attributes? Let's stand and listen to the actual word of God for a moment, if we could. Found in Romans 12, 9 through 13. <clears throat> The good apostle is actually going to give us a checklist today of things that we can work on in our relationships that will build bridges instead of burn them. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another. The word means compete with one another. In showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. You may be seated. So remember our premise this morning, I am waiting for the other person to change, but the person who needs to change is me. The very first thing that the apostle does is he says, let love be genuine. Uh, it, it literally means in the Greek to be not a hypocrite, to take off the mask, to let others in, to be real. 
the, but the real is not just any kind of real, real. It doesn't mean be grumpy and real. It doesn't mean be selfish and real. He says, let love be real in your heart, in your life. Be convinced that being a loving person, that being filled with the love of Jesus Christ is the most powerful force in the world. Be willing to forgive. We'll talk about that next week in absolute detail. Some of you are struggling with, with that aspect of relationships. We're going to unpack that next week, and, and it'll be a real blessing. But, but be decidedly authentic. In Psalms 139, the, the psalmist is having a, a prayer time with God. Sometimes we're afraid to take the mask off, to let people see who we are. I'm a crier. Anybody know that about me? My kids take bets on how often I'm going to cry. Honestly, some rivers lay closer to the surface for some people than others. My river's way up close to my eyelids. You know what I'm saying? I used to be ashamed of that. I used to want to hide that. No more. I cried at the last two movies I went to. Go figure. It's who I am. I'm comfortable in my own skin. Your pastor's a crybaby. I, I think the, the uh, uh, apostle must have maybe even been thinking about David and his prayer, the great warrior of God who, who prayed this prayer, Lord, search me and know me. If there be any wicked way in me, show it to me. I, I want to be transformed. I want to be changed. I want to be made new. God, is there something like Pastor Tim's hoarding mechanism in me, uh, maybe that issue or another that you'd like to change. God, I'm open for business in the transformation category. If we don't do this part, none of the rest of the text will make any difference in our lives. So he starts it with that, and he, he says, uh, we need to become vulnerable. And here's the thing, the, the psalmist David had messed up in some major ways but he knew this truth. He felt completely secure with his God. He felt completely safe with his prayer. And could I just tell you today that you and I are safe with our God. We are secure with our Holy Spirit. We are loved deeply by Jesus. And we can afford to take off the mask. We can afford to make changes. We can afford to decide that we have blind spots. And that it's okay because every one of us has imperfections that can be changed. And the good news is we have the capacity to change by the transforming grace of Jesus Christ in our life. Yeah. Isn't that good news? Anybody want to just stay like you are forever? Oh. Not that you're bad. So here's a, a personal checklist for us as we begin to look at the text of, of 10 things that we get to work on in our lives that God will come alongside us if we're willing and open and he will actually start helping us to, to change these areas of our lives. Now, here, here's uh, something I want you to note. As I talk about these 10, and we'll have to go pretty rapidly through them, uh, if something sticks, you know how you tell your socks are ready to be washed if you throw them to the wall and they stick? That was an old college test. <laughs> what, you didn't do that test? <laughs> so, so if there's something that sticks, 
that needs to be washed, that needs to be changed, that needs to be clean. Uh, would you just put a star by it? Uh, just a, a mental note, huh? I wonder if that's something that the Spirit might be talking to me about. Hate what is evil, hold to what is good. This is an incredible tra- uh, uh, juxtaposition where he says, I hate what is evil, it means abhor. abhor. Anybody abhorred anything lately? It's, it's uh, to be um, disgusted by. Hate what is evil. Hate what uh, ruins relationships with other people and with God. So let me give you an example of how strong this word. Uh, they're opposites. The cling is to throw your arms around, to grasp, to, to hang on to what is good, to, to just, oh, I haven't seen Kaylee May in a year and a half. Bam, oh, cling to, right? Uh, cling to is uh, anybody taking clothes out of the dryer and you're wearing your skinny shirt that day and it just... <laughs> And you're going like, and it goes, Woof. and you go, oh, no, really, like skinny. And it goes, Woof. that's cling to, or like uh, lint in the dryer. And there's something, I don't know about static electricity, that it just goes, Woof, Woof, Woof. Or, or you're trying to vacuum something up, and you vacuum and it won't go. And then you pick it up, and you go, I'm going to do this again, just because I can. <laughs> because it clings to, cling to. Cling to the good stuff. Cling to the relationship building stuff. Cling to the stuff that, that really builds relationship with you and Jesus and with other people. But um, we were, this, this week, Mel and I wanted to go see Jeb and Caitlin, so we flew to Denver. She's still there right now hanging out, and I don't resent the fact that I get to stay and preach with you. <laughs> no, we were there, and we went to see the Molly Brown house, and she was one who went back after people on the Titanic that she said, you're going to save them. We went to the Molly Brown house, and we're enjoying this great moment. And this guy walks by with his big dog, and the big dog leaves a big do, and he walks on. Well, we're taking a family picture. <laughs> I wanted to scream, go take care of your dog stuff. That, that abhor, that like somebody just puked on my shoe feeling, That's the picture that the Apostle Paul uses about relationship ruining things in our lives. And he says, detest it. We we get accustomed to sin in our lives. We compare ourselves to each other instead of God's standard, and we just get used to it. A, A little bit of looking and lingering on the internet. A few sharp words with my spouse. Uh, a little bit of covert gossip with my boss. And pretty soon we can erode relationships and it just becomes normal because everybody does normal. But guess what? God's people are to be a shining light to the world of what God can do powerfully in and among us through relationships and it ought not to be so among us. And so he says, abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Uh, The next thing he says is, uh, be friends who deeply love one another. Verse 10, he he says, love one another with a brotherly affection. That that get in the habit of just treating people with love and care and affection. Uh, I've noticed that when when we talk to each other and when we go to restaurants and we order a meal, sometimes we can, without even knowing it, 
get a, a seat at the counter and you can just say the meanest things to somebody whose job is to do tickets. And they didn't cause the fact that your luggage didn't arrive and yet people are yelling at them and right now and this, this sense that, that we would embrace the idea that, that everybody we talk to is family. Uh, the, the next thing he says is uh, be eager to honor others. I went to the rec center to crunch fit, fitness this week, uh, trying to work on my weight and slim down and be healthy uh, to make my doctor happy. <laughs> no, really, it's been important to me. But anyway, uh, I, I was rewarding myself for going to the rec center sitting in the hot tub. Go hot tubs. Okay, like really, I think it's okay. Uh, whatever gets you there. Uh, but on the way in, I, a young person just opened the door and, for me, and uh, it was pretty cool. They were really honoring. And then I, I walked a little bit further, and one of the teens from our church said, Hi, Pastor Tim, and was so kind and smiled, so honoring. Well, when I got into that hot tub moment, the jacuzzi stopped right. I was there, and it was like, uh-huh, the hot tub stopped. Like, I might have to get up and push the button. And a, and a young kid just leaving the hot tub says, hey, let me take care of that for you. And he was so honoring. And I thought, God bless you. And it, it made me feel so loved and cared for and special. I love it when you kids honor us. Thank you. When you honor one another and you honor your parents, and it means so much. And, and the Apostle Paul, when he looks at relationship builders, he says, honor. You know what that word means? When you say it, you get the feel. It's like, honor. It's like, oh. When's the last time you just went to your boss and said, you are amazing? You carry so much responsibility, and, and I would hate to make half the decisions you do, and, and I, I think you're incredible with detail. I, I just want to say thank you for who you are. I honor you today. Husband, when's the last time you looked at your wife and said, I can't believe out of, out of all the people in the world you chose to spend your life with me? I, I just, I, over and over again, I can't even fathom that. You are beautiful. You're amazing, you're a good mom, you're, you're, you're a great life partner, you are so good with the details I forget. Man, can I just say, I'm so thankful for you. Uh, wise, when was the last time you looked at your husband and said, man, I can't believe how hard you work. Day after day, week after week, I mean, and, and you protect and you care and you lead this family spiritually and you make sure we're in church and and you pray with our kids. And, and can I just say, you're incredible. Honor. Okay, what about teenagers? I know this isn't the, the normal mold, mo, mode of operation, but, but sister, when's the time, last time you looked at your brother and said, you're incredible. You hold the line when it comes to People offering us drugs at school. You protect me. Uh, you, you're so amazing. I'm, I, I, you protect me. Uh, is, you see, in our relationships, one of the things that happens when God gets in is he's an honoring God. 
And so he, he treats us better than we deserve, and he loves us, and he, he does extravagant things for us. And all the time we're looking for somebody else to change, God is wanting to do the change in us so that all of a sudden we become honoring, we become loving, we become people open to take the mask off. And God does this transformation process that's, that's amazing in us. And, and he goes further and he says, um, be spiritually uh, focus. Don't be spiritually sloppy. Don't let things go spiritually. Do you know the average attendance, and, and by the way, I'm singing to the choir here, the average attendance in church is dropping decade after decade after decade to the point where now people come 1.6 times to church in a week. And, and so everything we talk about, we have to talk about twice so that they get it the first time. And, and what would happen if you went to work 1.6 times? Or you ate your meal 1.6 times? Or you went to your workout place half the time? It would have a dramatic change. And so uh, the reality is we're called not, to not get sloppy with important stuff. The church is not the place for sloppy joes. Amen? <laughs> so, so we go further, and, and he says... Um, Serve the Lord with passion and dedication. That's the other side of that. Serve with passion. You can just see it. Uh, I, I remember watching the Seahawks lose the last game, and I was going, oh, rats. But the wings were good, and the barbecue was awesome. But, <laughs> but you know, but come on. That pass would have changed everything in that first down, and, and there was this passionate uprising in my spirit that, oh, they could have done it. It's that with us. We can do this. We can build this relationship. We can have this life. It's passion. It's the inner thing that won't let it go that says, no, I'm dedicated to something more. I'm going to work with my relationships. We're going to become what God called us to because he can make us more than mediocre in our relationships. We won't accept mediocre in our workplace, in our wardrobe. What about our relationships? Uh, he, he goes further and he says in verse 12, be joyful and hopeful. I, I was with Jeb and we had some talk time. It was so awesome uh, the last few days. And, and Jeb just said, Dad, I've, I've had some disappointments. He was talking about a back surgery. as a very young man that really, really hurt him, caused a lot of trouble. He's had some disappointments. He just, and he said, I've decided not to focus on those. I've decided to focus on the good things in life and move forward and step into those. He's growing a youth group. He has an amazing pastor that he works with. He can't stop talking about how good his boss is and what a difference it makes. And, and, and he just says, I'm going to be filled with joy. And he is. And, and we have a decision to make. Are, are we going to be hopeful and joyful? Because frankly, it's fun to be around hopeful, joyful people. And, and depression comes and things happen, and there's times when we're not joyful, I get it, and I would never belittle that, but the, as, a, as a way, as a window to look at life, am I willing to become a person by the power of God that looks at life as a glass half full instead of a glass half empty? Am I willing to shift my perspective because God is in control, and God is my Savior, and God is my hope, and God is my transformer that I can look at the world through a different lens of hope. Uh, he, he says, be patient, even in tribulation, that's hard times. So that, 
that we don't become people who are despondent, but we, what well, means to abide in perseverance, to keep hanging on, to keep doing what we do, to keep trusting, even when sometimes our pain speaks more loudly than our joy. And so that's the other side of that realistic situation where he says, hey, am I willing to stay in the faith and keep going, even in a relationship that is tough, and even when times are hard, I'm going to persevere. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep going. Uh, then, then next he says, uh, be constant in communication with God through prayer in verse 10. Uh, I love this part about the passage. As he says, um, or verse 12 rather, be patient in tribulation and constant in prayer. Anybody watch the, the recent Mr. Rogers movie with Tom Hanks? Oh, go watch it, people. You're missing out. But there's this wonderful part where he's in the swimming pool and he's just praying for people. And he's just praying names. And, and they just come to him. And, and I want you to know I, that resonates with me because that's my story with you. God brings me your names and I just pray for you and I pray and I pray and I get up in the morning and I pray and names come and sometimes a name lingers and I stay with the name until God deals with the situation. And can I tell you, it is the joy of my heart. And, and sometimes you will call me and you don't know this, you'll say, Pastor, would you pray for me? But I was already praying for you. It gives me the greatest joy. And, and here's, here's the reality. When we begin to pray for people, God transforms this, them, and he begins to transform us. And it's a powerful thing. And Paul says in his discourse to the church at Rome, he says, if you want to, be a, if you want to build bridges of relationships, just start praying for people. And, and the practice would be every time somebody comes to mind, you just lift them before the Lord. And people will say, um, Pastor, will you pray for me? Every time the Lord brings you to mind. And with a, with a thousand people each week that walk through these doors, how does that happen? Because God doesn't bring all thousand of you to mind at the same time, but he is faithful to bring you to my mind. Now, here's the fun part of the math. What happens if everybody takes on the ministry of prayer? A thousand prayers times a thousand people at the ready agreeing that any time God brings someone to mind, we pray for each other and we will not stop praying until the burden to pray goes away. What might happen to our own hearts and to the hallways of heaven inter interceding for the hallways of men? Oh! By a simple commitment to say, I will become a person of prayer. Are you a person of prayer? Do you pray? Do people come to you and ask for prayer and you say, I'll pray, and you walk away and forget that you had the conversation? No, we're a people that pray because we love to pray because prayer is nothing more or less than a conversation with Jesus. Uh, he goes further and he says, be uh, quick to lead a helping hand. Show hospitality and open your homes. Uh, he, uh, he says in the verses, the way he does that, he says, uh, serve one another and show hospitality. Open your lives to one another. And, and that's just a reminder not to close ourselves off, to open our lives to those that are around us. So uh, if you were putting stars by some of those that affected you in some way, that the sock stuck, would you uh, make a, a prayer list of them? And this week, would you simply say, Lord, help me to work on the things 
that your spirit already spoke to me about. And just take one or two or three or ten that stuck with you and begin to work on them. We're in the Bridges series, and we're talking about bridges, and I, I see the Panama Canal as a bridge because it connects two points so that people could get across. People used to go all the way around the Horn of Africa uh, to get from one place to the other, uh, but they found a, a much safer route was the Panama Canal, but for that to work, let's see the number. Ah, they had to take 200 million cubic yards of dirt to make this happen. A, a cubic yard would be like a, a large amount taking this much space. Uh, in order for bridges to be built, sometimes we have to take stuff out, but people used to have to go all the way around. Trevor, I, I want you to come share about a time where God helped you take something, uh, a different approach in a relationship that helped build a bridge. Yeah. Don't you guys love Trevor, by the way? Stop awesome. That. Thanks, Trevor. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Yeah, this is one of those times you're in the teaching team meeting, and, the, and all I'm trying to do is conf, you know, confirm, like, yes, that's right. Here's a story about how bad I was. And then they say, oh, yeah, you should share that with a lot of people. That would be great. Um, so, yeah, I think part of this, the love being genuine, and then number eight, uh, just praying. Um, I, before I was here, I worked in marketing in, uh, at a university in Nashville, and we had such a great team. Uh, and it was it really was so good, but we had our boss really wanted to uh, pull somebody from another team onto our team because of her function and what she did. And she really was great. Um, I, I've never loved the spotlight. I've never loved being in front of people. I've, I don't really love loud people. That, that just, it is hard for me. I, it, it wouldn't seem like that, but I'd, I'd, I don't know. There's something about this. This, this woman was amazing and she was very loud and she was and she talked a lot and she talked big and she just kind of owned the room and there was and I was like man this is our team and we're so good right now and this is just messing up everything and it and it started to just fester it started to grow this bitterness and I um, I would always call my dad uh, well actually let me say how bad it got first so we had a three-story building uh, you walk in on the main section the basement was just where we stored stuff um, and then all of our offices were on the top and the way that I would come in is you would go you know through this up the stairs and I and her office was the very first office and she's I'm not using her name but now if she's listening she's figuring this out oh that was my office so but it, it gets better uh, so I would have to walk past her office I didn't even want to talk to her in the morning and so I would go in into the side door, walk down into the basement, all through our storage area, go up the elevator, go to my office. That is the, that's the, I just avoided it completely. And every day I would either call my wife, and if she wasn't available, I'd call my dad. And so I'd call my dad, and, you know, after three weeks, I just came, man, she's difficult. She's difficult. I can't work with her. And he goes, have you prayed for her? I don't want to hear that right now. Um, and it really was this one thing of like, uh, I really wanted her to change. I wanted her to be quiet. I wanted her to be humble. Um, and, and so I start praying for her. And then I realized I don't know how to pray for her. I don't really know her. And so I started showing up to work 10 minutes early and I started asking her questions. And all of a sudden, I mean, I started finding out about her daughter and the struggles that they're having and how her younger daughter's doing this and her older daughter's going to leave. And that's really weighing on her. And she's really nervous about being on this team because it's such a good team and I don't want to mess it up. 
I didn't know any of that stuff. So as I start praying for her um, and I start showing up early, all of a sudden our relationship grows and there's a bridge. And I, like Pastor Tim was saying, it wasn't necessarily that building the bridge. It was me getting rid of some bitterness and some just some silly stuff in my life. Um, and she was one of the most difficult for me that's been so powerful is prayer. Um, and when you start to pray for other people, I think God will do what God will do. Oswald Chambers even said this, you know, God will do what he can do. And so it's not even just truth to say, I pray and God changes things. But you can pray and God changes you. And then you change things through God's prayer, through God's power. Uh, and so that's a little my story. Uh, and I hate when I forget to do this still. But it, it, it's a quick reminder to just get right back into prayer and pray for people. want us to pray together as we think about this message, but, but a reminder uh, that while we're waiting for the other person to change, God is wanting to change us. And uh, the 10 things we talked about, maybe there's two or three. Uh, a reminder that next week I'm going to be talking about uh, what seems like an impossible task in the next part of this, this passage, this chapter where the Apostle Paul challenges us with a a really unreasonable challenge. He asks us to forgive one another. Uh, I'm going to tell you that that may seem an impossibility for some of you. And next week, I hope you'll occur. And, and I just believe God wants to do a work. Why? Because he's the relationship building God. Amen. Uh, but but uh, I've got a, a written prayer because I didn't want to forget. I don't write prayers out very often, but if you'll forgive me. I'd, I'd love to have you bow your heads as I read this prayer and, and just let, let it soak in, let it become your prayer. God, please help my love to be genuine and authentic. Help me to take off the mask. Help me to let people in. Help me to see my blind spots through the eyes of others. Help me to be open to what they have to say to me. Help me to stop wanting to change others when it's me who needs to change. Help me to hate what is evil, God. Help me to cling on to what is good. Help me to love others deeply and eagerly and, and to honor my family members, even my sister, even my brother, even my spouse, even my friend, even my coworker. God, I don't know what it looks to honor, what it looks like, but I believe you can show me. Forgive me when I dishonor. Forgive me when I gossip. Forgive me when I take away. Empower me to be spiritually focused like it was the Super Bowl. Help me, Father, to keep you at the center of my life. Help me to make you more than 1.6. Lord, help my decisions and my actions to be toward you and toward others instead of selfish, focused moments. Lord, I want to serve you with passion and dedication. I want to be a joyful person. I want to believe, God, that your transformation comes when I submit my life to you. Lord, I submit to you in these areas. Help me to be patient through the hard times when my pain speaks more than my joy. Remind me to be in constant communication with you, God. I commit to pray for my brothers and sisters, my family, 
Father, would you bring them to mind? And as you bring them to mind, I'll bring them to you. As I lean on your Holy Spirit, move me to be generous with others, Father. Generous by lending a helping hand. Generous by giving to, to the causes of your kingdom. As well as opening my heart and my home, Father. And Father, build a bridge of relationships so that the world will see you even as they look at me. And we give you praise and honor and glory for these belong only to you, God. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. Amen. Well, I am so glad that you've joined us today. I hope that God has spoken clearly to you today. What a great message for us. As we continue this relationship series, uh, maybe you'll come back next week and learn about unforgiveness. Pastor Tim said something this last week. He said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Let that sink in. Would you stand with me as I, and receive this benediction? Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true act of worship. Amen.